Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Alexis. And we are the parents of four kids under the age of six. We know that parenting can be tough, but it's also the most important thing we have ever done. Each week, we'll share stories from our family and discuss what we're learning as we parent in real life. And hopefully, we can learn something from each other along the way. So join us once a week as we laugh about the highs and lows of parenting. Welcome to episode 11. Today we are going to be talking about kids and technology. I think this is a pretty common topic of discussion for parents because it's just so new um, that none of us have experience with it, right? Like, this was not an option um, as a kid. So we want to share what we've learned and also um, some of the things we read and just kind of have a discussion about where we're going to go from here. Before we get into that, here is our real-life parenting moment. So our daughter, Chloe, is four. And I usually let her pick out her own clothes because she is very particular about what she wears. And in the summer, it wasn't a big deal because she would wear dresses all the time and run around without socks on and shoes, you know, which is fine. But now here in Wisconsin, it's starting to get a little cold. And I really want her to start wearing pants to school because they play outside every day at preschool. And she doesn't like to wear socks, and she needs to be wearing tennis shoes to play outside on the playground and because it's cold. (laughs) So she won't wear pants, and she puts on her boots without socks on, and sometimes she sneaks it. She'll come home. She has these really sneaky feet. (laughs) But (laughs) it is a battle to get Chloe dressed every morning. Usually involves lots of tears, even though we pick out clothes the night before. Like, we pick out an outfit. And with pants and everything, and she's sure. And then somehow the next morning she puts it on, she doesn't like it. And she puts on probably about three or four more outfits. And they all her clothes end up on the floor, and I have to clean them up every morning. And she usually ends up in tears on the way out the door. But <laughs> It is a battle. The tornado. It's real. The tornado. We did have a similar problem with Cammie when she was in preschool. All she wanted to wear was dresses. And tags and stuff really bothered her like she was hers was a more of a comfort thing um whether they were comfortable or not so which was kind of better because we could just cut the tags off yeah with chloe like she just doesn't want to it's just random it's not like she'll wear something one day and then not the next day and you can't wear dresses every day especially with wisconsin so yeah yeah so our parenting in real life is just sometimes you have battles with your kids and that's how it goes about clothes yeah also we really loved the feedback we got on our last podcast we in episode 10 we talked about what are the traits you want to most develop in your kids which is an interesting question for me to think about and we had some great answers our sister-in-law jenna she said i love this so much kindness gratitude respect conscientiousness and optimism i like those and then Alan's mom, Carolee, she said, so hard to limit to just a few, but some of my top are humility, patience, kindness, charity, gratitude, and obedience. At first I thought she said humanity. <laughs> humanity. <laughs> humility. Humans. Yes. Humility, patience, kindness, charity, gratitude, and obedience. I really like that. And I think she did a pretty good job. Um Lest you think that it's just our family listening to the podcast, (laughs) Um, Life After Wheat said, I can't wait to check this out. Kindness is definitely on my short list, and I also try to teach respect, gratitude, and going for your dreams. Those are good. 
Then also, All Hail Mama said, I am a huge believer that teaching kids an equal balance of humility and self-confidence can have a great impact. If a child can value oneself, they will have the ability to love others unconditionally without feelings of jealousy, resentment, and hatred. Real self-value can eliminate many problems that kids, teens, and young adults face today. Well, it's validating that we did a podcast on how to be kind, and kindness showed up on all of those lists. And there are lots of people who said that Kindness was definitely in the top for them as well. It may have influenced that, but it, it's true. I think all of us want to have kind kids. But it was some of those are kind of like an interesting balance. We all want like humble kids that aren't snotty or think they know it all, but also ones that are... Like go-getters. Yeah, go-getters, go for their dreams. And so I think creating that balance or even having that balance in ourselves is hard. Mm-hmm. So that just explains why parenting is so hard. You, you want your kids <laughs> to be confident, but also humble... It's just, it's it's difficult, but I, I really like those lists, and you all should go read them and add your own. Um, it's really interesting to read through there. Mm-hmm. So today we're going to be talking about children and technology. Now, it used to be, if you've read articles, that the rule was no screen time for kids under the age of two, none at all. And then for kids older than two, they could have up to two hours. Now, this was made by the American Association of Pediatrics. Probably the same people that said babies can't have any medicine and older (laughs) kids can't have any cough medicine until they're like 20. Those people. Be real. Sometimes these rules are difficult. Our daughter is turning six this year, which is the minimum for a cough medicine, and we were super excited. It used to be 20, now it's six. (laughs) That's hard when you have a baby who coughs, or a two-year-old, and there's just not really any cough medicine to give them. Yeah. Just stick it. Have fun. Being <laughs> sick. We have all these amazing medicines. This is a but different podcast. We'll, we'll get into that later. So anyway, that rule was made in 1999, and that was before there were iPads and apps that were made for kids. So um, they decided to update the rules for that, or what they... The guidelines, I guess. And we have a link to a CNN article that talks about this, so it's in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And they said that in this CNN article that they're supposed to be updating it fall 2016, which is right now, but we couldn't find it anywhere. So there may be new information coming out soon, but this is what they were saying. Kind of, They were kind of giving like a preview of what they were going to say, and this is what they said. They said, and this is a quote, what we learn is that we, we as humans are very much social beasts and we are really learning by engaging with other humans. And so the more that a digital technology can approximate that, the more a young child can get out of it. So they go on to talk about the types of media to use, which we're going to get into that. But basically what the article was saying is there is no longer a hard defined rule anymore on the time limit. It's no longer the two hour rule or no screens before the age of two. It comes down to is you just kind of have to do what's best for your family. But uh, there are some, like, general principles. Mm-hmm. The big one is, like, the less interactive something is, the less helpful it is. So when they study a, a baby's brain, if you put them in front of a TV, there's no brain activity. Like, that's why we love TV, because you just <laughs> go and, like, veg out, and it's Your true. brain shuts off. <laughs> you just shut down your brain and let the TV do all the thinking for you. But apps now, because they can be more interactive, they can stimulate different parts of the brain. So they said the best one, especially for like the pre-2, um, the reason why TVs are so bad um, is because we need them to learn language, and they don't get that when they're watching TV. And so things that more closely resemble 
two-way communication are the best. And we've downloaded a bajillion kid apps apps in our uh, seven years of parenting. And I've never seen one that really does that. But it's good to know, like, what the ideal is. So, in general, the more interactive, the more communication two-way, the more of a two-way street it is, the better. Especially if it's, like, making them say things and do things like that. Versus just, like, pointing and clicking and swiping and stuff. Like, those are slightly better than just TV where there's nothing. There's no interaction, but only slightly. Well, I think even more than slightly sometimes. it's you, There's good apps that, like, teach letters and animals and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I had a friend who her son is autistic, and the occupational therapist gave them an app to use. Uh, on the iPad about teaching letters and sounds to really, and they said it really helped him a lot. Mm -hmm. Actually, we had already had that app on our iPad and something that the kids really liked. Um, So there are good educational apps out there that are more interactive than others. If you make a great educational app and would like to advertise on Parenting in Real Life Podcast, now is your time. (laughs) Email us at parentinginreallifepodcast at gmail.com. But you probably don't. So um, the important thing to remember is just that um, the more interactive, the better. And this this really was targeting the pre-two-year-olds because that was like the big no-no. It was like, don't give your pre-two-year-old. After that, I think the rules kind of change. Yeah. And, and so the communication, the two-way street thing, I think that's particularly important for the under two. Part of the problem with all of this is, and it kind of bothers me, is like, they don't know, right? Like science is a slow process and this is also new that they don't know what these people are going to be like when they're adults or even teenagers, you know, like no, nobody that had an iPad when they were two is a teenager yet, you know? And so, um, we don't really know how this is all going to go. Um, so there's going to be some guess and checking on their part and also on the part of us as parents. So do it, do it feels right. Um, but another, another thing they emphasized is that if you are going to give them a screen, it's much better if you're involved with them. Mm-hmm. If you're all using it together, then the, it can become a learning tool. If you just throw a screen at them, we get it, and we do that a lot. So we're not like saying you're a bad parent or something. It's just not going to be – don't think it's like going to make your kid Einstein either. You know. <laughs> and also what it comes down to is um, a lot of parents, especially – moms feel guilty about letting their kids uh, watch TV while they're in the shower or cooking dinner. And you should. <laughs> no, Just you shouldn't. <laughs> they also said that too, is um, a lot of people do feel guilty, but it's okay. You know, as long as your kids aren't watching TV all day or they're not playing video games or um, on the iPad for hours and hours at a time, you know, if you do some here and there, that's okay. And especially if you're interacting with your child, either on the app or off. Like, it's good to spend time with your kids. So if you're getting that interaction with them that doesn't have to do with screens, and if they have some screen time, that's totally fine. Yep. The Pioneer Day equivalent was like sending your kid outside to play knife tag or something, you know? <laughs> so it's going to be okay. Don't beat yourself up. It's important to know when to turn off screens. I think you can start teaching your kid how to use screens appropriately And so teach them that when we're talking together or when we're at dinner or at church or at school or at bed, we don't, we don't have screens and, and there's some things you can do to make sure that that's happening or not happening. Um, but start teaching them screen etiquette because they're going to live in a screen world. And so, um, I think we can start teaching them when they're really young 
for better or for worse, we have the opportunity to teach them that etiquette at a young age. Yeah, so once you do give your kid screens, there's some good um, rules that you should create for your children. One of the websites we found was a blog, and she had she had a lot of really good ideas that I liked. And this might be a little bit more for, you know, when your kid gets their first phone or if you are giving your kid a tablet. You know, these are more for those type of, of times when they're having their own when they're responsible for their own screen. And so um, some of the things that we saw that were suggested were to set rules for the screen time. So that could be partly when to turn it off. Another thing that we've seen is, you know, to have like a, a lot of parents have like charging docks. And so your screen has to, or your phone has to be on this charging dock during the nighttime. So you can't have your mm-hmm. um, phones in your room when yeah. you're sleeping. Yeah, I think that's so good. Screens are so bad for sleep anyway, and, you know, for a teenager, I'm sure. I don't know how teenagers sleep nowadays. Also, a couple things. Be their friend on social media. If that makes your child uncomfortable, then what are they putting on social media? (laughs) Not that you need to stalk them or be weird, but I think being on the social media that your kid are on are good for two reasons. One, because they know you're there, and that might help them behave. And also, you should know what these things are. We were reading one article, and it was written, like, this month. And he was explaining Snapchat like they had never used it before. Like, Snapchat is a sexting app. And it definitely felt that way to me, but you need to get on there and see what it is now. Because it's way more than that. It's changed over time. It used to be an app where people did could use it for sexting. And still, but still can. And still can. But to, like, demonize it like that to your teenager, I imagine, is very off-putting to teenagers. It's not just about that. It's also, like, how they text their friends now. Yeah, the app has evolved a ton since it was created. And it used to be, yeah, this sneaky app and people, parents were afraid of it, but it's become very mainstream. A lot of people use it now and use it differently than originally how it was suggested. This one's pretty easy for me because I like technology and so I try and stay up on what's new. Um, But I think as a parent, you have an obligation to do that. You need to be aware, even if you don't use it actively, you need to know what these things are. And that means getting on there and actually like poking around a little bit. So that you know what your kids are getting into and what kind of things are being said. Before we had technology, parents still wanted to know who their kids' friends were and where their kids were going and what they were doing and stuff. This is the same thing, but now it's online. You can still, by being their friends on social media, you can still see who their friends are, where you know where they're going, how they're communicating. So it shouldn't be a scary thing, you know, oh, all these apps, I don't know what's going on, I don't know how to do them. It, we should think of it just as... as We want to be informed as we can, and we want to be able to still monitor what our kids are doing, even if we don't understand all the apps Mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also a lot of little things. So sorry, this is kind of sporadic, but it's all um, good things. Um, One is if you are on Apple devices, you can set it up so that you're all in a family together, and you you and um, your spouse or significant other can be the parents and then that means any children if they want to download an app it alerts you on your phone and you have to approve it that's nice so that they don't spend money on apps if you don't want them to but also even free apps you can still have them alert you so that you have to one be aware and two say yes or no to each of these new apps so um, that's definitely something you can do that's pretty easy built into the system i don't know about android but i'm sure there's something like that. There's also filters and family systems. So you can create um, filters on your own router so that 
there's certain sites they can't go to and hopefully everybody has those there's also systems that apps that you can install so you can control how often and how much they can use their phone or device or whatever so you can um, limit it that way too one of the ones i know about is it's called rpact o-u-r-p-a-c-t we are not sponsored by rpact but if you'd like to sponsor us rpact we'd be happy to <laughs> Um, but I know that's an app that you can put on your phone that helps monitor all the phones that it's connected with. It's also important to start talking to your children about pornography. Um, one of the articles that we looked at, someone said, oh, my son's 12. Should I be talking to them about pornography? Yes. 12 is kind of <laughs> old. Like, yeah. We're already talking to our children about it, and they're four or five. Obviously, in a way that they would be able to understand, you know, what's – start telling them about what's appropriate and what's not because – they are going to be exposed to it much younger than it used to be. We we just read that nine is now the average age of that gross? kids seeing pornography. Nine-year-olds are, you know, and younger if that's the average. We feel like before we sent our kindergartner off to school, knowing she's riding the bus with fourth graders, we needed to have a conversation with her about what pornography looks like and what to do if she sees it. And, and you know, it was mostly just really high-level stuff, but we we wanted to start having that conversation now. One of the things Alexis's family does so well is they were really good at talking about um, sexuality and all of those things enough that it wasn't ever awkward for them while still keeping it, you know, respectful and appropriate. Um, they had those conversations so that in their house, it, it correct me if I'm wrong, but it was really comfortable to talk about that sort of thing. Yeah, whenever we had questions or, you know, things we needed to talk about, we always felt like we could talk to our parents yeah. about it, and it wasn't weird or yeah. uncomfortable, and they didn't make us feel bad about it. And like, yeah. It was all very normal, which yeah. is good. You want your kids to be able to talk to you about these things. Because yeah. if they can't talk to you, they're going to go talk to your friends exactly. or their friends, you know. Exactly. You need to make sure that you feel comfortable about it, which I think is hard as a parent. Sometimes you're like, man, I don't know how to do this. But if it's awkward for you, it's going to be like 10 times more awkward for them. So just be normal, and it's not weird, you know, like. You're their parent. You're the one that's teaching this stuff. And if you don't know how to talk to your kids about things like this, there are tons of books and um, websites of companies who are trying to help parents be comfortable with these discussions and what to talk to your kids about. So definitely look that up and find something that works for you and your family. Mm -hmm. um, the, the last tip that we really like that we saw is having a cell phone contract or smart device contract. You are presumably paying for these things. And so it is reasonable to expect certain things um, from how your kids use them. And so there's some really good examples online. If you look up cell phone contracts for teenagers or younger at this point, look at the things that they're doing. Essentially, it's, you know, this is when and how you are going to use the phone. Like every time you call you or mom or dad call, you pick up every single time Um or you text me right away because I'm paying for this phone and I should be able to get a hold of you um, to, you know, what things they aren't going to do on it. And so just making it really clear, like, these are the things you will and won't do on your phone or you won't have a phone. Mm -hmm. I think that's okay. Take the phone away if they aren't using it correctly. Oh, yeah. You know, like, they need to learn how to use it right. And if they're not, then it's no longer, I mean, it's, it's a privilege. It's not something that they mm -hmm. need to have to survive. I mean, obviously, we didn't have cell phones when we were kids, and right. we were fine. We made it. <laughs> Al and I were talking about, we were kind of, we were at the age where we were the ones starting to get into cell phones. Like, yeah. 
I remember when I got my first cell phone, it was when I learned how to drive, and my parents got me one, and it was just one of those ones that was prepaid, and there wasn't texting yet, like, it was just a call in case something happened or whatever, and texting started to become more popular as we were in, when we were seniors and in college and stuff. So this led us to talk about, like, when are we going to get our kids smart devices? And sorry if you hear Jack, our youngest, woke up from his nap and is now joining us live. So he's a little grumpy. Yeah. That's our social media question for the week, is when did you or when do you plan on giving your kids um, devices and why? Why? How do you choose the age you chose? Um, but our two cents, and don't let this tarnish your opinion, Alexis had a really insightful comment of if you are of the mind that you're not going to give your kid any smart device until they graduate, then do you just assume that when they graduate they'll like suddenly know how to manage or deal with that space because I get both sides of it. I think that that's, yes, they'll be more mature, but isn't there some advantage to giving your kids those devices while you're still there and helping them learn? Um, And if you treat it that way, like, hey, this is a new device, but it's powerful and can be dangerous. And so we've got these rules and we're going to help you like ease into this and do it the right way. Or just give them a phone when they turn 18 and they're not in the house and say, okay, I hope you figure this out. So I, I think there's definitely two sides. Yeah, because we had read an article that said, don't give your child smartphones. And they were adamant about not giving them to your kids. And and, and that's what we were saying is, we, I mean, that would be nice to not have to give your child a cell phone. But someday, everyone's going to have a cell phone, or a smartphone. That's just kind of the world we live in now. And as a parent, you get to decide when that happens, if it's before or after they leave their home, your home. But someday, they will get one. And if they don't know how to use it and manage it correctly... I think you're setting them up for failure. And I don't know if you're just hoping that as an adult they make better choices because I think you you do after you're no longer a teenager. You do make better choices. But those college years can still be a struggle. You yeah. Know? And yeah. it's almost sometimes it's almost a continuation of high school for some people. So I think it would be wise to give your child, depending on when how young you do it, that's something for you to decide. But I think it would be good to give your child a phone while they're still in your home. Yeah. So we didn't come up with a, a age in particular. Um, we'd love to hear your insights. Help us make that decision. Yeah, we still don't know. We do think we'll give them some sort of device before um, while they're still in the home, but we don't really know when. So well, give... we are planning on giving our kids tablets soon, yeah. but I, I guess that's something that they are going to leave home, or that will always stay at home. Right. And so when to give them a phone would be... Something different, totally different, something a little situation. older, and yeah. yeah, I just don't know. But I remember I was um, student teaching. I got my degree in LED, and I was student teaching a fifth grade class. And a bunch of the kids in the class had cell phones already. Yeah. And at the time, I thought, oh, that's way too young. I mean, this was a few years ago when this was before I had kids. But now I'm just like, oh, I don't know. We need to really figure out sometime of when we should do that. But yeah. I'm sure as our kids continue to get older kids get phones younger and younger so i think that's something you just kind of have to stick to and even if the kids around them are getting phones you do what's what's right for your family yep in general my family always got technology late just that was my parents method and i think it you know for the most part it worked out i think it could have backfired i think if we were more rebellious then we might have been really frustrated by that but all of us bought in and, and it turned out okay but i i definitely think there's some advantages to, to waiting if you can 
if you can stick stick to your guns, there's a lot of advantages to holding off. So who knows? Um, We'd love to see your thoughts and maybe we'll circle back in the next episode and talk about what you said and maybe make a decision. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, so to wrap up essentially with media, um, it's important to just be mindful in what your kids are using their technology for, especially their screens. It is better than TV for the most part, um, but not, but with varying degrees. And so be smart about how much and when and try and um, involve yourself in that screen time as much as you can for maximum effectiveness. And then when it comes to rules about technology, set them. Um, have rules. Don't just give them technology and assume they'll figure it out. Make it really clear um, the yeses and the noes uh, and, and do the things that work for you. So... And don't forget to uh, go to Alexis's Instagram account. At Learn As We Go. You can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at Alexis Tanner one And I'm at Alan T. Tanner. And you can see Alexis's website at learnaswego.org. And thank you for those who have given us a rating. We have a few good ratings out there. We don't have enough for Apple to publish our rating. Um, but you can see those that have rated us, and hopefully we can get up to a publishable, publish, publishable amount soon. So please, uh, please go on there and give us a rating if you can. And as always, a special thanks to our four kids for being kids, especially Jack since he's here. Jackie, can you say hello to all of our listeners? Uh.